great to be able to, to share with all of you this morning. Amanda Gorman, this petite little gal, this powerhouse, only 22 years old, and winner of the, being the youngest person to win the Poet Laureate. She stood before the world and she stood before presidents and she was dressed in yellow coat and this beautiful, not a headband, but a hairband that was probably this thing, bright, bright red. And she shared from her heart that there, it will always be light. And we are to be, for those who are brave enough to see the light, for those who are brave enough to be the light. She was a free soul standing before other presidents, president number 46, 44, 43, 42, and shabby chic Bernie Sanders. What a contrast to any, any fans of the crown? Anyone? Spoiler alert. Season 3, episode 3. We had fun watching the... Well, we had fun watching together, Karen and I, and we get to the end of an episode, and Karen said, we'll go like this, would you like to sleep through another one? <laughs> well, I caught part of part of season three, episode three, and I'm going to be, a, it's going to be a spoiler alert, but what a contrast to Amanda, Queen Elizabeth, who is, and was, and still is, sovereign of the, of the great UK, United Kingdom. She's 14 years into her reign, and she is completely shut down emotionally as there is this tragedy on the 20th of October, 1966, that a whole school is buried in coal and 144 people, 144 souls do not survive and 116 of those as children. She was unable in her heart to reach out to these citizens of the UK from Wales. But she sent Philip. And Philip, it's interesting, through the whole course, as he develops and he becomes a free soul, and he is the one sent out to comfort and to be the arm for the royal family in this situation. And they are discussing back and forth. And what happened, because she's worried about the blame in this this human-made natural disaster that happens. And she says, and, and what happened? And Philip said, they sang. They sang as a community when they hit this wall, this incredible wall. Let's pray. Monsignor, votre nom. Jesus, our Lord, we want your name to be exalted, to be the high and lifted one. 
And we want to be freed from ourselves. And we want to be the free spirit like Amanda could, could stand before the world. This descendant of slaves and raised, raised by a single mom and to be able to stand her free self. Lord, we want that in our own experience even today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to share just one verse. Uh, actually, it's two, but feels like it's only one from Paul. Paul is this enslaved person, but the freest, the freest person on earth at that moment. And he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I want to I want to know the sharing of the sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so, so somehow that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He was completely a free person. We're talking about walls. And Brianna did the, a wonderful, and I just thanked her for a setup of a, of a wall. And, and when we had a meeting a while ago about this, then I woke up in the morning with the, the message, and, and it's like, I've got a couple of weeks here to... So if I go out of my mind, this is a, for anyone. If I go out of my mind, take my key away, okay? If I wander out, please search for me because it's very, very cold out there. That's just from my experience leading in, leading in care homes and taking care of people. Those are my worries today. But I thought about the greatest wall in the world and the Great Wall of China, and it's the only human-made structure that is visible back from the moon to here. And then I realized, no, there's, there's a, a more apt wall for what I want to talk about, and going through the wall of our false self to become our true self. And that's what I want to talk about today. As, as Paul says, I, I want to know him. The only way to know him is to move through that wall. And so I have this wall, and the first person in, in person can get a, an NIV Bible, First one that guesses, and online, first one to guess, you, you get something not quite as good, but have a little faith. It's a wonderful read. And so I'll leave it up to the tech kind of people to figure out who's what. And so uh, we, we had a year in Quebec, and we got to see mimes. And so here's my version of the wall, if you can guess it, is... Anyone? 
I hope you have young eyes. This, this is small print. It's an igloo. We got this, that's an honor of the people in Arviat or the people in Igluvik who just lost their co-op yesterday, burned up. That's the center of a community. Everything goes through the co-op. And we have to go through that wall if we want to get to the other side. I got a little too excited, I lost my breath. <laughs> you can tell I'm claustrophobic, but when I came out, crawling out of the hole in the igloo, it was 60 below and a howling wind. I had to come back in. And because I wasn't talking, I would have said, Iki! Because it's so cold. We can't even describe northern cold. And it's appropriate to be 30 below today. And it brought me right back to Akfiat. You see, when we, get, when we hit the wall of our self-discovery and all the things that make us who we are in our false self, what do we do? Do we bounce off of it only to come back against it later? Do we try and burst through it? Not a good idea in the north to try and burst through an igloo. You won't survive. You have to stay in that, in that darkness. And if you wait long enough, what happens? Spring will eventually come. Maybe in July, but it will come. And it will melt that false self. And see, Paul, you see, he, he meets that in verses 7 to 8, right? 7 and 8, he says, All the things that were for gain, I count but loss. I thought back in Larange, of all the things I did to survive, they're the part of my false self. You see, each one of us are made, someone has said, in three parts. The part we're born with, the part of our nurturing and raising up, and a third, our survival techniques. What we do to survive. And what did Paul do? He became a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And what did he discover? This doesn't match with the glory of Christ. And he says, I want to know Christ. Who is this? Who is this Christ? Christ is the freest one who ever lived. Completely free person. Completely truth-speaking, completely loving, the one who healed, could heal anyone, and continued to preach the kingdom of God. And who is he? It says he did. He let go of equality with God to take residence in a human body. 
And he learned obedience by the things that he, what? Suffered. And when that suffering was complete, where was he? I think that suffering was complete when he said it is finished. Right. You see, our igloo could be COVID-19, and we can keep meeting up with ourselves during COVID-19, and that is true. It is a type of suffering. And it's more than that for those who have lost loved ones. But for all of us, it is a type of suffering, even if it's just down to the smallest thing, losing control is a definition of suffering. And But when we go through that, instead of running away from it and we go through it, what do we come up with? The real self. You see, I had to let go of all the things that were survival techniques in LaRange. Want to hear some of them? How do you survive in LaRange? Well, it's a pretty special place, and no, not, this is my experience for those who were like born there and lived there and are still in LaRange. I bless you. I was also a resident of Big Stone. And that was also a special title there. If you're from Big Stone, you get to be pushed down all the time. And I realized, again, my identity in life. And I remember a pastor years ago, Rick Porter from, from Abbotsford Alliance Church, he, he said a cartoon that he saw and he, a guy opening his chest, and it's a big target, and he said, bummer birthmark. And that's the way I felt most of my life, that I was put on this planet to suffer. But not, not really. I just suffered for other reasons, not always good. And my siblings know it, that, that I made them suffer, but they're so much better for it. Their marriages have lasted to today because... They had a brother that taught them how to suffer long. Hey? But, yeah, I've got some forgiveness to ask yet. But what we have to let go of trying to be the smartest person. I'm still trying to let go of that. Had to let go of being an athlete. Well, it's not too, too hard these days. I was asked if I was going to do any goalie moves, and I said I... I might pull something to this morning if I tried to do a goalie move. Uh, you know, there's many, many, many other things to let go of. I had to let go of that I've been a churchgoer all my life. That doesn't count for anything. Oops. <laughs> it doesn't count for anything. Been a missionary in Africa. I tried that one on God, and then I realized I was in Africa. I couldn't use that one anymore. Uh, when I wanted out of a tight spot, I'd become a mission. Oh, I am. That doesn't count for anything. There's only one thing that counts, is his life. You see, Jesus gave 
himself everything for you, for me. One of the highlights of uh, being a Bibleville devotional guy, uh, I do life backwards. I started as a lead pastor, then I became a children's pastor and sharing devotions with young children. It was the most fun I've had in my life. But the funnest time together, or the time with the most fun, uh, was taking this cross down and hauling it upstairs and having each of the kids just lay on there and we faked like we were pounding the nails and they were like lined up and they're just, they're just taking it in. And then later to have a, a shift guy to be a co-teacher and he explained what it was like to be on the cross and he did an awesome job of being, you see, we are to, we are to suffer with him. What? We're sharing in the suffers in order to what? That we might die. If we want to be freed, we have to die. And there's no other way to be free. I was thankful in the 80s to have Richard Wormbrandt come to chapel in Regina to sit under and to hear, hear somebody that suffered for Jesus for 14 years in communist cell in solitary confinement and they were trying to break him and break him of his devotion to Jesus and he said he had almost lost his mind except for one thing he could say Jesus and he kept saying Jesus Jesus and he kept his mind because he suffered. He suffered death to self, but he suffered along with, and I, I'm still addicted to NIV, even though I'm switching over to NRSV, but the fellowship of his sufferings. Wow. That's a challenge, isn't it? But why do we do it? because we're moving we're moving through to what does what does Paul say that I might know him and the power of his resurrection the power of the resurrection and we can put that in one word justification justification and then he says after that about the fellowship of sufferings that that he might attain to the resurrection of the dead. And it wasn't necessarily talking like we watched Bart Millard, and I watched, no, I didn't, did I? I missed a section, Karen filled me in towards the end. But to hear his song, I can only imagine. Last night, and the roots of that, and the story behind it, and for him, how he was liberated from just being beaten so much by his dad when he learned that his dad wanted to, the gospel that he had. And he didn't want him to have it because it destroyed. It destroyed where he was at, but he had to move through forgiveness 
And because he moved through forgiveness, what happened? This song came. I can only imagine. And and then it became a triple platinum song because it's so liberating, this experience of the resurrection out there. Yes, absolutely. But right here, right now, our experience today for Jesus, who he is, because he is already the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and everything belongs to him. He is in charge right, right now. And he wants the very power the very power that raised Jesus from the dead to be active in your heart, active in your deeds, active in your words, active in your work, active in, in everything. You see, Paul, when he goes beyond verse 11, he goes to verse 12, and what does it say? What was the freedom for What? Freedom from the past, freedom for what? That he himself is owned by Jesus. Jesus gave himself for us, but he wants to give himself to us. We read in John 7, 38 and 39 that if you are thirsty, are you thirsty this morning? Have I whetted your appetite? Because as A.W. Tozer says, we have as much of God as we want. God doesn't force us to do anything. But he has endless, endless ways of getting our attention and bringing walls. Jesus wants to give himself to you. It says, this living water will come up out of you and flow. And what does it say? Not yet. (laughs) Not yet, but... When he is glorified, when he sends himself, his spirit, he will live in you. He will be the dynamite that gives energy to all of this. He is Christ revealing himself in your day-to-day life. And so I encourage us with this illustration. Being retired now, we can make our new life group the center of our attention. And I think we have a picture, I think, of a calendar with our new life group on it. Not a new life group, but we can devote more time and energy and that to our life group. And do we have that, that photo? It's, it's a life group that's... 14 and going on 15 right away of our family and 
And being a subcontractor and, and Karen being a caregiver, we visited with our grandchildren. And uh, we sat down, with, uh, sat down at the beginning of the time with our, our youngest granddaughter and got to, I got to engineer a train track and just enjoyed that time right at her level and thankful for Bibleville that I don't, I get right down and it's not as hard for me as some people. But, and we build this train track and she's, her attention is right on that and her mom is leaving the house and not coming back for hours. But she's having a good time and she's watching and I think Becca just called out and said, I'm leaving and all she did was and she was just smirking and enjoying the train. But a couple hours later, a couple hours goes by, and her mom, Becca, comes to the back door. And Evie goes running from one end of the house to the next, not with her hands at 180 degrees, but like this, almost 270, running as hard as she could and just embracing you see, Paul understood. He understood that this life is coming through the false self. All those things that he took credit for were dung compared to knowing Jesus. And like the Song of Songs says, I am my beloved's. And his desires for me. And that's the way he wants our relationship. That we can say that with confidence. His desires are for me. He wants so much more for every one of you than you could want for yourself. And he did everything to make that possible. I've had the blessing of of partnering in in ministry for over 37 years. You used to have to be old to say that. Um, But uh, to be partnering with Karen and uh, asked her if she wanted to to just share kind of our our feelings to to the, the church and the partnership that we've had together these last uh, four and a half years, and it's been such a blessing. Let me wait up here. No. You can take your mask off. Psalm 9, 1 and 2 that we read at the beginning of the service. It was Wednesday's reading. If you're following the read the Bible in your for a year outline, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. 
The goal of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection will inevitably involve sharing in his sufferings. One of the practical practices when we're going through desolation or the wall is to look back and remember. Remember how God has been faithful to us during times of consolation. So that's what we'd like to take a minute to focus on this morning as we say our goodbyes. Dwayne and I look at our life here, our four and a half years of ministry, as a gift. We didn't seek it. God gave it to us in the midst of running our 24-7 business. We originally started attending because of Bibleville. And right up till the start of COVID, Duane and I had the joy and privilege of being involved with Bibleville on a weekly basis. Duane driving vans for pickup and drop-offs and leading devos, and myself as a ride-along and craft lady. We learned so much from those kids. It was a hugely stretching experience, especially the three summers at Bibleville camp. We needed Jesus, his strength, his patience, his creativity at every turn. As one of the young leaders put it, you never really get good at it. That's for sure. But what a gift. Hannah, if you're listening today, thank you for being our courageous leader. We've watched you mature and grow as you, along with Gabby and now Roxy, fearlessly led not only the kids, but the teams of leaders, drivers, kitchen staff, and LITs. We commend you gals on how Bibleville developed into a place where each child is discipled. That's huge. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of being used up, spent, for the sake of your kingdom. A little aside, on Bibleville evenings, Duane and I would say before we went to Bibleville, oh no, tonight we don't need to stop at Dairy Queen on the way home. Inevitably, after Bibleville, we said, yes, we have to get a blizzard. <laughs> we needed a little pick-me-up. As associate pastor, Dway led the church while the Beitlers were on a six-month sabbatical. He was also given the gift of developing life groups. There's been a three-year process beginning with this whole sanctuary filled with tables of small groups, getting to know Christ together through eyes to see, emotional healthy relationships, 
EHS, and EHW. We again had the opportunity of learning as we led two groups of couples through the Love and Respect Marriage Course. One of the big takeaways for us from those sessions was the importance for wives to spend time with their husbands shoulder to shoulder, doing nothing necessarily, saying nothing necessarily, just being together. As Duane and I developed our own shoulder to shoulder coffee time, one morning, the Lord gifted us with the concept of huddles. Taking the Sunday morning message and bringing it into the context of our daily lives within the community right here in the sanctuary during the Sunday morning service. And those huddles, Sunday after Sunday, have enabled us to seamlessly integrate what is being taught on Sunday morning into deeper discussion and life application and prayer in life groups that we are all able to be a part of today. Thank you to each person who has taken the initiative to be a part of life groups over the past three years. We have all come to know Christ in new and fresh ways because you shared yourself and what God's doing in and through you and we're the richer for it. Duane and I were humbled every week as we were part of life groups here in the living room. Humbled by God's stories being worked out in each person's life humbled by your openness to share those stories with the rest of us, and humbled that our simple prayers were being answered week by week by a loving and caring Father. Humbled that we were privileged to be witnesses of God's goodness and grace, his wonderful deeds. Thank you for allowing us to minister among you for this season. You have been God's instruments, each one of you, in the life process of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings becoming like him in his death. We thank you, Lord, with all our hearts. As lifelong disciples and disciples, our calling continues. Duane and I have a whole new generation to help disciple. While we become the disciples of our adult children, and there is much to learn under them. To use the definition that Brianna gave us last week, we have hope a forward look with assurance, confident expectation of what God has prom promised because of his faithfulness. Amen.
just one thing to add that I was wanting to share in that message that I didn't. If I could add one sentence. That there's a gap where we are right now to Christ completing that work. His Holy Spirit is filling that for us, that gap. We don't need to. Holy Spirit is doing that for us. We can just be ourselves. As George Beverly Shea sang for 50-something years, we come just as I am, without one plea, but that his blood has ransomed me. Turn it back over to the worship team. Thank you, Dwayne, for sharing with us and um, both of you for your ministry. We're going to take some time after this song to just continue to bless them and pray for them together as a family. Um, but before we do that, we're just going to sing this closing song together um, and just reflect on the um, moving through that wall of our false self and coming to that place where we can surrender it all for the sake of knowing Christ, um, fellowship with him, and being with him in the place that gives true life. So you can join with us, take whatever posture you want, sitting or standing. <laughs> 